In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our, our hearts, that, that we, we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John of the Cross. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Happy Feast Day. It's a wonderful day to be here at a Carmelite house on the feast day of St. John of the Cross, one of the giants of the Carmelites and Carmelite spiritualities. What a blessing this is for all of us. Again, I want to read this reading that I shared with you last night during adoration. And this comes from uh, St. John's Gospel. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying. So in reference to this, as I mentioned last night, some people have a difficulty with Eucharistic adoration. And not that they have a difficulty just maybe sitting and praying and concentrating, but some people unfortunately within the church will have a difficult time because they'll say Jesus said, take and eat. He did not say, come sit, kneel and stare, right? But what he did say was he said, come and see, come and see. And then we also move forward into the Garden of Gethsemane where our Lord asked, can you not sit with me and watch for an hour? So what I'd like to do is really focus our conferences on um, Eucharistic adoration and spending time before the Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament, whether he is reserved in the tabernacle, or whether he is exposed for us to adore him uh, in the Eucharist. And so I think that's something that's very, very needed uh, throughout our society. So come and see where he dwells. We know, of course, that God dwells among us even now, and he dwells among us in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, present in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. So what adoration does for us, it allows us, this is a great privilege, I think. We want to uh, move, I think, away from the notion of obligation. I'm obligated to go and sit and kneel and, and adore. But rather, it allows us, so it's a privilege. It is a true privilege. Uh, uh, and I think um, obligation comes from that. 
but it's a privilege for us to be able to go before our Lord, to see him, uh, to adore him, and to love him. And so he gives us that invitation in order to come and to see. And what that does also, it allows us to extend our holy communion. So when we come to the celebration of the sacrifice of the Mass, Jesus imparts his very own life within us. John chapter 6, he who does not eat my flesh and drink my blood does not have my life within him, right? But he who does this, I impart, I give him my very own life. And so Eucharistic adoration or spending time before our Lord who's present to us in the blessed sacrament reserved in the tabernacle allows us to extend our holy communion. That could be for Sunday or that could be for daily Mass. Either way, it is the celebration of the sacrifice of the Mass, which we will have a little later today. Um, so I think it's important for us to look for those opportunities in which we can extend our Mass, our daily Mass, or our Sunday Mass. So a few months ago, actually about seven or eight months ago now, our Pope Emeritus, and we're living in a very interesting time where we can actually say that, our Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI, who I think in the future, maybe two, three hundred years after we're all gone, will be referred to as a doctor of the church and will be looked back as one of these great minds uh, placed in there with the likes of uh, St. Bonaventure and Thomas Aquinas and Augustine and Albert the Great. I do really think that he, he has the mind and the approach and the spirituality and the love for our Lord of a church father, but especially, especially when he speaks about the liturgy. Beautiful book, it's the spirit of the liturgy, which I highly re uh, recommend. It can be dense and it can be slow, but boy, there's a great gift in reading it and coming to understand that. But Pope Benedict XVI wrote a letter back in April, and he wrote it on uh, the sexual abuse crisis in the church. We in the United States experienced it in 02, and when we came out the charter and all the different things that we've done, the world started to experience more of it. And then as we know, 2018 was a very dark, dark time in the life of the church. I think 02 was more about priests, and, um, and I think as a matter of justice, 08 and 18, is more about bishops and the leadership and the shepherding that they provided. So he wrote this um, letter, and in the last one-third of it, what he addresses is something very, very important. He addresses the understanding of the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And he does so in such a beautiful way, but he says that this is one of the great problems or difficulties that we have within the church today and that is our love, our reverence, how it is that we approach our Lord in the Eucharist, uh, but even our understanding of the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I don't know if you remember, but just a few months ago, there was a CARA study, the Center for Applied Research of the Apostolate, come out with all sorts of uh, studies. And the study was, was conducted in terms of asking Catholics um, whether they, they believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. Now we know that it can be a bit of a loaded question, and we know that there can be all sorts of different levels uh, in that question, but the, the question was whether they believe in the true presence, and sadly, 70% of the people, 69 point something, 69% of the people said they do not believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. Now, 
I know I have 0% that's in front of me that do not believe in the true presence of the Eucharist, or you wouldn't be here. So now I'm essentially preaching to the choir. But they said that that went up in, in, uh, by 5% if they, um, if they interviewed millennials. Millennials roughly, I think, are from about 1983 to 02, give or take, or 99. No, 98, sorry, 1983 to 98, those who were born during that time. And it went up for the millennials, which is very sad because millennials had the benefit of the new catechism, which came out during the time of Pope St. John Paul II. So because they had the, the benefit of the, the new catechism, before the, because of the catechesis of the books that were, were given to them, the material that was given to them, it had to all conform to the, um, to the catechism. I think it's very sad that you see that uh, increase. But what it is, it is just simply a symptom of uh, societies becoming less and less believing, right? And is becoming more and more secular. Secular essentially means living in a world as if God does not exist. And so it was very sad. And I think with Pope Benedict, what he did was he addressed this issue and said it is an issue. And because of this, we need to uh, respond properly as a church. So individually, what does that mean for us? I think it means how it is, how is it that we are living our own faith life? And when we come to Mass, how is it that we are approaching our Lord present to us in the Blessed Sacrament? Now, first and foremost, that begins with the priest, because the priest is the one who celebrates the Mass. He does so in persona Christi Capitis, in the person of Christ the head. So we see the priest who enters the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, and how is it that he models that for the assembly, for the body, where we know that Christ is present because where two or three gather in my name, there am I in their midst. So how is it the priest, does he enter the sanctuary? Does he pray the mass in a reverent way? Does he handle the body, blood, soul, and divinity in a reverent and, uh, and in an adoring way? and really as an act of love. Because what that does is that models, that models for the, the body, uh, the people who are gathered, how it is that they are to approach the Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament. So if the priest is sloppy, if the priest is casual, if the priest approaches it in an ordinary manner, then the people will follow in the very same way. So my father, was a wonderful, wonderful man. He passed away in 1999 from ALS. He was a teacher and a football coach. Loved him. Great man. And so he was a teacher, he was a football coach, and he had six children, three boys, uh, three girls, and he was a very devout Catholic. And so I realized one time when I was um, going through my own discernment toward the end of entering the seminary, I realized all of a sudden there was about four or five years when I was thinking I was approaching my own vocation and my career. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to um, be a husband and a father. I wanted to have six kids. I wanted to teach. And I wanted to be a football coach. <laughs> and I'm a little slow. I did not realize that I was just following the pattern of my father. So we call priest father. and how it is that they, they, they approach the celebration, the sacrifice of the Mass will have a big impact on those 
who would be referred to as their spiritual children. So again, if he approaches it with love and reverence and, and, and adoration, and really in humility, meaning he gives himself over to the liturgical books of the church, then the faithful will follow. Uh, but if not, when the faithful come forward to receive our Lord present in the, in the Eucharist, uh, they will look around, they will say hi to people, uh, they will be distracted by all sorts of different things. When they come forward to receive our Lord in the Eucharist, they will essentially, you know, grab and gobble. Sad to say. As one of my priest uh, friends says, he says, you know, when they come forward to receive the Eucharist, they won't do in a reverent way, but they'll simply be the invasion of the body snatchers, right? Take our Lord and go, all right? So, how is it, as the faithful, that you are called to receive our Lord? It means when you come up before our Lord, first and foremost, that you're properly disposed. Uh, if we're not properly disposed, if we're conscious of having committed any mortal sin, that we need to make sure that we avail ourselves to the sacrament of penance. St. Paul says, if not, and you've heard Patrick say this on his show over and over again, I'm grateful that he talks about this, that the person who receives our Lord present in the Eucharist, St. Paul says, um, unworthily brings condemnation down upon himself. That's a scary word, very scary word. So we want to make sure um, that we avoid that at all costs. So, as I said, the priest is responsible for giving that example as a spiritual father to his people. Uh, Dom Chatard, in the soul of the apostle, it says this, if the priest is a saint, the people will be fervent. If the priest is fervent, the people will be pious. If the priest is pious, the people will at least be decent. But if the priest is only decent, the people will be godless. The spiritual generation is always one degree less in its life than those who beget it in Christ. So a lot of it falls on the shoulders of the priests. So the example that I place before you today, and we will look at this, this weekend, is somebody who's soon to be a saint, and that's the venerable Fulton J. Sheen. Now I know all of you, and you're probably doing the same thing. Uh, you probably did the same thing when I heard the news. Your hearts kind of fell when the, um, the beatification on the 21st of this month was delayed. Not canceled, but was delayed. And I think they're doing it in a, in a cautious manner. Um, it makes it a little difficult when we do know that the, the, uh, the uh, miracle that's associated with him is one of a, a child who was dead for 61, give or s seconds, uh, was brought back to life through the intercession of the venerable Fulton J. Sheen. So we have the miracle to count, but I think they're just being cautious in terms of moving forward. And as was said, um, there is a uh, attorney general investigation in New York, and there was a worry that when he was announced that they would try to counteract that by making a big splash and, um, and, and uh, announcing that news. So don't worry, don't worry. I, I believe that eventually and soon he will be... Um, beatified. So Fulton Sheen, he wrote much, much, much about the adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And in particular, he wrote about making the holy hour. Um, and that's what I want to focus myself on. I want to focus on making a holy hour. Now, for some of you, you're saying, well, how can I get an hour, 
an hour of it a day in order to do that. And I would say what I'm, I'm not going to try to do is push, get you on the high dive and push you in the deep end. And if you're there right now, that's great. Praise God. Keep that up. But if this is something perhaps new to you, let's start in the shallow end. Let's move our way up slowly into the deep end. And so sometimes that would mean making 15 hours a day present to the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. It could mean half an hour on the way to work, half an hour on the way back, or it could mean carving out that time for a continuous hour. That's what Fulton Sheen said was very important. Fulton Sheen, on the day of his ordination, he made two promises, and these are promises that he kept throughout his entire life. So the first promise is that he would offer the Holy Eucharist every Saturday in honor of the Blessed Mother to solicit her protection of my priesthood. I think priests always have a, a very special connection with Our Lady. Not that all of us don't in the baptized, but I think it's very important for priests to really entrust their priesthood to the Blessed Virgin because she watches over us, cares for us, wraps us in her mantle. And she really understands how, uh, through the sacrament of, of, of holy orders, that we are conforming ourselves to Jesus Christ, the eternal high priest. So Our Lady, we can see that in the life of the venerable Fulton Sheen. And this is it. He says, I resolved, I resolved also to spend a continuous holy hour every day in the presence of our Lord in the blessed sacrament. So, first promise I'm going to talk briefly about tomorrow in relationship to Pope St. John Paul II. But the, first prom- the second promise, he said, I promise to spend a continuous holy hour every day in the presence of our Lord. So we can say that those are four qualities that Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen committed himself to. And Fulton Sheen committed himself to, um, uh, to our Lord, spending that time before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. So not only could he extend his Mass, but also would draw him back into the celebration of the sacrifice in the Mass. And when they speak about Fulton Sheen celebrating the Mass, he did so with uh, reverence, he did so with love, with complete adoration of our Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, so we know that he was faithful to this, this promise that he made uh, to his priesthood each and every day of, of his life. Um, he also desired uh, to die on a Saturday, which would be a, a day that was devoted to Our Lady. And we know that, that um, he didn't do that. But what he said was, was the Lord was going to be mighty embarrassed when I meet him if he, was, if he did not die on a Saturday. <laughs> Brilliant man. Great sense of humor. But I think that uh, the Lord was gracious to him because the Lord did allow him to die in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. And he died on December 9th, and so this would have been his, his feast day that we just passed on this Monday, which also for us is an important feast day because it's the feast day of St. Juan Diego. So take a look at the reasons for his, his, um, his holy hour. And he, he was very blunt about why he should make it. He, says, he said, because it is time spent in the presence of our Lord himself, and if faith is alive, no further reason is needed. Time spent in the presence of our Lord himself, and if faith is alive, there's no other presence needed. So if we were all saints, I would simply end my talk there, right? Because we would, there would 
be no, nothing needed because we would be in that, that union with God. Um, but hopefully, uh, please God, we will all be saints one day. We will be able to share in the eternal reward of life in heaven, be able to be granted that beatific vision and see our Lord. But since we're not, we need to go a little further uh, in, in depth into this. So first and foremost, that sacrifice. The holy hour, he said, it is difficult, and sometimes it seemed to be hard. It might mean having to forego a social engagement or rise an hour early, but on the whole, it has never been a burden, and it's only been a joy. So now you look at that and you say, now I've gone to adoration, and I have you know, struggled at times, and it has been a burden, and there's been times when I've been extremely distracted, and there's been times when I've also fallen asleep. I've done all of those things, and I've done them a lot, an awful lot. Um, but Fulton Sheen, what he, sense, he does is he sets the bar high, as well as the saints set the bar high, and what we do is we try to pursue that. We try to pursue that goal. That goal. And how is it that we can pursue that goal and we can grow in holiness, we can go in sanctity, grow in sanctity? The only way that we can do that is by pursuing he who is holy. So holiness can only be found in he who is holy. So holiness can only be found in that deep and intimate union with Jesus Christ. So when we approach our Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament, as I said last night, we have a guaranteed encounter with the living Christ. Regardless of what the world says, we have a guaranteed encounter with the living Christ. And how do we know that? We know that because of our Lord's words, right? Take and eat, take and drink. This is my body, this is my blood. He who eats my flesh and drinks my, my, my blood, I will impart my very own life within him. And Jesus says, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. And as we know, many people went away because they said, this is a hard saying. So many could not accept it. But Jesus, you know, are you going to go his way too? John's Gospel, chapter 6. And they simply say, and Peter says, right, to whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words, right? You have the words of everlasting life. And so they understand that the words that Jesus says are true words. And Jesus did not ever throw a word out and say, oh, let me take that out back. That was the wrong thing to say. It's truly God, truly man. His words were always the words of everlasting life. So that we can take his words and we can really take them to heart. They can strengthen our hearts and they can lighten our minds. So we can come to understand him, who he is, present to us in the blessed sacrament. So if you find that you struggle when making that holy hour, what do you do? Lord, I struggle. Help, help my unbelief. Help me to truly understand and to love you present to me in the blessed sacrament of the altar. And if we simply ask the Lord, as he says, right, um, if we simply ask him, he will respond. If we simply seek him, he will be there for us. And so that's something that we, we, we can rely upon. So Sheen was constantly, constantly reminding um, his priests, and again, a lot of it has to start with the priests and how it is that they model for their spiritual children. He was constantly reminding priests they are not only priests who offer the sacrifice, but that like Christ the high priest, they are also victims who were to be offered. 
and he has a beautiful book uh, called A Priest Who's Not His Own, who he speaks about that. So in relationship to the holy hour, it means that we, not only priests, but the faithful, we have to sacrifice some enjoyable thing or other thing uh, if we're going to tr truly uh, imitate the example of Jesus Christ, who is that priest and that, and that victim. So it means that we have to give up perhaps things that are enjoyable, as I said. It means that we perhaps to give up things uh, such as a, an hour of sleep, or perhaps it means before we come home we stop off and visit our Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament, that we spend time with our friend. Uh, Pope Benedict said, and I love to quote Pope Benedict, he was the one that made me a bishop, and so I love to quote him. But Pope Benedict said uh, throughout his entire pontificate that he focused on that friendship with Jesus Christ, right? And what does Jesus say? If you, you are my friends, if you keep my commandments. What is the one thing that Jesus asked of his apostles, of his disciples? And that is simply to remain with me, to watch for an hour. And I think he asked the very same thing of us, to remain with me, to watch for an hour. And if we do that, we are, are truly blessed. We receive a great gift from the Lord understanding that he's truly present to us, guaranteed encounter with the living Christ. And so what a great blessing that is for all of us and when we uh, are, have the privilege not only to receive our Lord, but to also adore our Lord. And so we close this morning's session with a prayer. And may the heart of Jesus and the most blessed sacrament be praised, adored, and loved with grateful affection at every moment in all the tabernacles of the world even to the end of time. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.